We're getting near the end uh, of Philippians, aren't we? Uh, and we're also three weeks into the Advent season. Advent, as many of you know, is a time of waiting. Uh, it is a time of hope and expectant longing. And as I've reflected on the meaning of this season, and as I've reflected on the text that is there before you, I've been reminded of a song that used to play on my shuffle a lot. It's a song by Rufus Wainwright. That's a hard one to say. Rufus Wainwright. I still can't do it. And it's called Oh What a World. Uh, And the lyrics of the song go like this. He sings, Why am I always on a plane or a fast train? Oh, what a world my parents gave me. Always traveling, but not in love. Still I think I'm doing fine. Wouldn't it be a lovely headline, Life is Beautiful on a New York Times. Oh, what a world we live in. Why am I always on a plane or a fast train? Life, it seems, is moving at breakneck speeds, doesn't it? Always traveling, but not in love. We are too busy to savor it. We are too driven to help those along the way. We're glued to our seats, and yet we're out of control. We are anxious. We are weary. We need help. Oh, what a world we live in. Wouldn't it be a lovely headline, Life is Beautiful on a New York Times? Friends, that is the hope of Advent, right? A beautiful world. A world where everything wrong is made right again. There's a song that we sing this time of year. Its lyrics go like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth and goodwill to men. But in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And yet, the bells are ringing, peace on earth. The choir singing, peace on earth. Does anybody hear them? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. That is a lovely headline. That is good news. It is good news that is fit to print. It is the message of Advent. It is the message that comes to us in the midst of a crazy, busy, and anxious world. But it raises a question, right? How in the world is peace possible in a place like this and in a world like this? And verses 6 and 7 give us an answer. You can turn there in the text if you have your Bibles open. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These are the three points for today's sermon. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will find you. Don't be anxious. Pray. There's peace. But first, right? don't be anxious about anything. Anxiety is a big problem these days. I don't have to tell you that. Many of you know this. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States. 
They're affecting 44 million adults, ages 18 and older. That's 18% of the U.S. population. According to a recent poll, 44% of Americans say they are more anxious today than they were five years ago. Not only is anxiety a big problem, it's a deadly one. Right? It attacks our hearts and our minds. Quite literally, our hearts and our minds need to be guarded against it, as written in verse 7. Research has shown that anxiety increases the risk of heart disease by 40%, of heart attacks by 25%, and by stroke, 50%. Okay? If anxiety is deadly, it is taxing, and it is fruitless too. It expends a lot of time and energy, yet it accomplishes very little. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus poses a question. He says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? The sick irony, of course, is that anxiety doesn't add years to your life, but it does take life from your years. I'll say that again. Anxiety doesn't add years to your life, but it does take life from your years. It is taxing and it's fruitless. Finally, anxiety is complicated. It is complicated and it's multifaceted, right? And its solutions are too. Some anxiety is the result of, or some anxiety has biological roots, such as genetic makeup and and brain chemistry and chemical balances and imbalances and so on. And when that is the issue, medicine can prove very helpful. It's not a panacea. It cannot solve everything, but it can help. Some anxiety has environmental or circumstantial roots, trauma or abuse or stress. And when that's the case, good counseling, and maybe not medicine so much, is what's really needed. Finally, some anxiety has spiritual roots. It is the result of some disbelief or or doubt. Some of you in this room know that anxiety and depression is something that I actually wrestle with. Uh, If you look at my family tree, just about every branch on it has anxiety or depression. I've got mine and blood running through my veins, uh, which means that I'm predisposed to it. And I actually take some medicine to help me with it. And it's proven very helpful. Uh, In my life, there are events that have happened. Things that I have done and things that have been done to me. Which means I I need counseling to to wrestle through some of that stuff. You know, and that's been really helpful for me too. But some of my depression and anxiety is owed to doubt. Sometimes I question whether or not God is there. Whether or not He cares. I sometimes doubt God's love for me. And if heaven is for real. And pangs of disbelief and doubt can leave me very depressed and anxious. Medicine can't fix that. Right? Counseling can help a little bit. But what I really need is the gospel, right? I need to get Jesus' words deep inside of me. And the ways to do that are many. Reading and meditating on the scriptures is a good thing. Worshiping here and hearing the word preached, getting his words into me that way is a good thing. Being with friends or mentors and having them counsel me, right, is a good thing. So is prayer. 
Prayer is one of the, the means by which we get the gospel inside of our bloodstream. We could do a whole sermon series, I suppose, on each of these, but Paul isolates prayer here, so that's what we're going to do too. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How can we have joy and peace in the midst of an anxious world? Paul says pray. Right? We need to pray. Well, how is that an answer to our anxiety? How can prayer help? How can prayer help us become less anxious? Well, I can think of at least three reasons, and they all start with the letter P, which is convenient, right? <laughs> prayer is powerful because of the person we are praying to. Prayer changes our perspective, and prayer reminds us of God's promises. Okay, person, perspective, and promises. First of all, prayer is powerful because of the person we are praying to. When we pray, we are praying to God our Father. We're not praying to the people in the room here, right? We're praying to God our Father. Jesus came from the Father to reconcile us to God. And when we put our faith and trust in Him, we're immediately adopted into God's family. Jesus' Father becomes our Father. And the Maker of heaven and earth, God Almighty, becomes Daddy. Thanks to Jesus, we have access to the most powerful and important person in the universe. And we get to call him Dad. I don't know if you've ever seen this photo. It's a photo of John F. Kennedy sitting at his desk in the Oval Office. And little JFK Jr., John John, is right there by his feet. Well, as President of the United States, JFK was the most powerful person in the most powerful country, which made him the most powerful, powerful person in the world at the time. JFK was powerful, and if you wanted to meet with him, it would help if you were powerful too. You couldn't just waltz into his office, right? You needed a good reason to go there, and even then, he might not even let you in. He might not even listen to you. But the exception to that rule was JFK's kids. The presidents and the prime ministers of the world would have to wait for JFK. But his kids had 24-7 access to him all the time. Like JFK Jr., who had all the time access to the most powerful person in the world, you and I have all the time access to the most powerful person in the universe. Because he is our dad. And we're his kids. Prayer is not powerful because we are powerful, but because he is powerful. He is our God. He is our Father in heaven. And because he is our Father, he lets us in. He loves us, and he listens to us, and he looks out for us. And because he's our Father in heaven, he can get stuff done. He's powerful. Prayer is powerful because of the person you're talking to. But secondly, prayer is powerful because it changes our perspective. When we pray, we're reminded of who God is and of who we are. We're reminded, right, that God is our dad and we're his kids. We're reminded, as Joseph said, that he is great and we are small. We're reminded that our, our lives are a gift and not a guarantee. Uh, we're reminded that we exist for him and not the other way around. Prayer moves us from the center to the side, and it, in that it changes our perspective. 
One of the reasons why we're so anxious so much of the time is because we think that we're in the center and that it's all about me and it's all on me. I'm in the center. But when we pray, we get displaced. Right? To be under stress is to be under a lot of pressure and a lot of tension. And the reason you're stressed out and, te- and, and the reason why you're stressed out and under a lot of pressure and tension is because you're in the center. Because the weight of the world and its problems are converging on you. But you're not supposed to be there, right? God is supposed to be in the center. And as you move from the center to the side, as you get displaced, so does that pressure as you change your perspective. The Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus himself taught us, has tremendous power to do this. And as you go through it, not just word by word, but line by line, you begin to see how it changes our perspective. First of all, we're we're taught to pray to God as our Father in heaven. And right away, we are reminded of who God is and who we are. God is my dad, I'm his kid. He's in control. He loves me. And both of those things give me rest. The fact that he's in control and that he loves me. Hallowed or holy be your name. God is holy. He is good. I exist for glory. I exist for his glory. He doesn't exist for mine. Right? Being displaced. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, one of the reasons why we're anxious is because we feel that it's up to us to fix everything. But as we pray those lines, we begin to see that God's at work. Right? He's bringing his kingdom to bear. I'm not. He is. I'm not the Christ. He is. God is renewing the world, and he's renewing me in his image. He is making me become more and more like Jesus. Right? To pray his will would be done in me. Change is possible. Hope is for real. Give us this day our daily bread. We're anxious because we think we lack. Here we see that God is a God who provides. Sometimes, sure, he doesn't give me always what I want, right? but he always gives me what I need. He's given me Jesus. He's given me the hope of an eternity spent with him. He is a father who gives good gifts to his kids. This is a great time as we pray this prayer to give our prayers with thanksgiving, right? As we consider all that God has given us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God is forgiving and gracious. Sometimes we feel so anxious because we feel that we're not right with God. That our sins are not forgiven. That we have so much shame and so much guilt. Friends, as we move our way through this prayer, God is addressing that bit of our anxiety too. God does forgive our sins. And because we are forgiven, we can move towards others in forgiveness as well. That broken relationship that's causing so much stress and anxiety in your life, we're empowered and enabled to move towards those difficult relationships uh, in a spirit of love and forgiveness and reconciliation because of what God has done for you and for me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God is protective. He's going to deliver us. He's guiding us home. And finally, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Simply put, we're reminded that God is all important once again. It's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. 
Why are you anxious? Are you worried over food or finances, clothes, shelter, you name it? Jesus says, don't worry about these things. Your Father knows that you need Him. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Or you can say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all these things will be added unto you as well. The power of prayer and the new perspective it gives has the power to calm us down. It can also, uh, there's power in prayer also to help us deal with our anxiety because there's power in God's promises. There's power in God's promises. When we pray, we often treat prayer um, like a one-way conversation. You know, we talk and God listens. But prayer is meant to be a two-way conversation. We talking to God and God talking to us. It sort of begs the question, how does God address us? How does he speak to us? Well, he speaks to us through his word, right? Through Jesus, right? The living and incarnate word, but also the, the scriptures, right? The word that points to him. And it's why it's a great idea to pray with your Bibles open, right? To have them open there before you and to listen to what God wants to speak to you from its page. Uh, as we read with our Bibles open, we can learn some things. We learn, right, who God is and who we are. And we learn what God has done to save us through His Son. We learn of, of the meta-narrative, like the big story of the Bible, that God made a good world, that we broke it, but He is 100% committed to saving it and us. And he's done that through His Son. We learn a lot about His promises, which are yes and amen in Jesus. He is faithful and He's true. Consider the promise that you have right here in front of you, right, in Philippians 4, 5. The promise there is that the Lord is at hand. And this is a promise from God. And if you consider what it's saying here, if you really take in the implications, it has power to deal with your anxiety. I mentioned earlier some of the doubts that I wrestle with. Um, this promise has the power to answer them all. The Lord is at hand. He is near. I'm not alone. He cares for you. The Lord is at hand. He is drawn near, not in judgment, but in love, out of reconciliation. The Lord is at hand. He's coming, right? Everything wrong is going to be made right again, and tears will be wiped from my eye. The Lord is at hand. It's going to be okay. This promise has power. It has power to speak into your anxiety. It has power to work on mine. Pay attention to the promises in Scripture. They have power. This brings us to our third and final point. Paul has said, don't be anxious but to pray. But what happens when we pray? Look at verse 7. It says there that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? To those who pray, God promises you a peace that surpasses understanding. A peace that surpasses understanding. Uh, what does that mean? A peace that passes understanding? Well, there's two ways I guess you could look at it. First of all, it means a great peace. It's a peace you could never get to the bottom of. An all-encompassing, soul-settling peace. 
a peace that passes understanding, a peace that's too great for words. There's another way you can look at it. It's a peace that doesn't really make sense. It surpasses understanding. How can someone be at peace when the world around them is chaotic, brutal, and insane, like ours is? Peace in a world like that surpasses understanding. It doesn't make much sense. It defies expectations. Yet that kind of great and mysterious kind of peace is promised to us when we pray. That peace is made possible to us because our peace is not contingent or dependent upon the circumstances, but upon the God who is behind all things. Our peace is contingent upon him and his faithfulness to those promises that he has made. We can have peace because we are praying to a powerful person. We can have peace because prayer has the ability to change our perspective. And we can have peace because prayer reminds us of the goodness and faithfulness of God and His promises. So don't be anxious about anything. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord's at hand. He is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, and the right prevail, with peace on earth. Goodwill in them. Let's pray.